Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello and welcome to Bible Truth for Living. This is your host, Pastor Tim Reynolds. We're so glad you've decided to tune in today for a message from God's Word. If you're listening by radio today, I'd like to make a special announcement. We're excited to have evangelist Tim Lee with us next Sunday, January the 21st, at our 10 o'clock morning service at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. Those of you who know Brother Tim, he's a native to McLeansboro, Illinois, and Brother Tim has been an evangelist now for over 40 years, traveling all over the United States as well as other countries, preaching the Word of God. Uh, Brother Tim had both of his legs blown off in Vietnam. He was actually running from God at the time, and uh, God got his attention, called him into the ministry, and uh, we're good friends with Brother Tim, have been for many years, and we're excited that he's able to be with us. So if you do not have a home church, uh, you'll want to come out and hear Evangelist Tim Lee again at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple on Sunday, January the 21st at 10 o'clock. Mount Vernon Baptist Temple is located at 817 Woodland Drive here in the King City of Mount Vernon. The message today I've titled, Go Forward in 2024. Go Forward in 2024. Exodus chapter 14, beginning in verse 10. The scripture says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt uh, thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. Someone has asked the question, what does an airplane, a bicycle, and a church have in common? And the answer is, if any one of them comes to a stop and they're not going forward, you're in trouble. And boy, isn't that true. You know, anyone who has driven in snow or mud knows that everything can be fine as long as you keep moving forward. But once you stop, you get in trouble. Why? Well, because you usually end up stuck if that's the case. Now, In the text we're looking at today, the children of Israel are on a journey out of slavery in Egypt. They are headed towards freedom in the promised land. On their way, uh, they encounter three phases of living that I think all of us uh, must face throughout our lives. And I believe if we can identify which phase of these we are in at any given time, we can prevent getting stuck in the wilderness in our own lives and continue to go forward for the Lord in this new year. The first thing that I want us to consider is this, that sometimes we tend to look back at the past. 
Now, looking back is not always a bad thing. In fact, sometimes it's a wise move. Uh, For example, it's okay to look back if you look back to rejoice. We rejoice about certain things, you know, maybe you celebrate an event, you're looking back, you're celebrating uh, maybe so many years or uh, an anniversary, uh, birthdays are all about celebrating, and uh, when you look back to rejoice, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we look back to recall, and that's good too, you know, if you remember back when you were in school, uh, you would study for a test, and the test was about recalling, remembering the material leading up to the test, and so it's good good to recall that. It's good to learn from experience. Uh, You know, that's one way that we learn to do things or not do things because we've experienced the outcome. And so it's always good to rejoice and recall by looking back. But this third one is not always so good. And that is when we look back in regret. Now, I believe that it's impossible to live very many years in this life and not have something that we regret. I don't care if it's a decision that was made, words that were said, things that we did. We all have things that we would say, boy, I wish I had never done that or I never said that. That's just regret. Now, here's the thing. Regret has its place, especially when regret leads us to repentance and towards the will of God. You know, some people say, well, you shouldn't have any guilt. You shouldn't have regret. Well, yeah, actually you should if it's leading you to repentance. It's leading you to go toward God. When regret is bad is when regret, when it's harmful, is when regret moves us away from God and away from his will. For example, and that's what we see going on here in our text, when you live in regret and you look back at the past and you live in regret, it can lead to fear. When you look at verse 10 again there in Exodus chapter 14, the Bible says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So here they are. They're turning around, and they're looking back, and they were sore afraid. They were frozen in fear, so to speak. You know, their eyes were on the enemy, and they begin to fear what might happen. What happens if Pharaoh and his army catches us? Will they put us to death? Will they put us back into slavery? And they begin to live in fear, and I'm afraid many people live that way. They live in constant fear. I'm telling you this, the media thrives on it. They make millions, probably billions of dollars on on fear, the fear factor. And so you watch and see what uh, is going on with the weather and with the economy and politics and war and all of these things keeps people living in fear. But the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7 that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if there's a spirit of fear in your life, that's not coming from God. It's Satan that's giving you that fear. And Satan will allow that fear, he'll cause that fear to become bigger in our minds than what it should be. You know, Penn State University did a study on the things people worry about, and in their study, they found that less than 8% of the things people worry about ever come true. That means that over 92% of those things we worry about, they, 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 they are okay, they turn out fine, but we'll lose sleep, we'll take pills, we'll just fret and worry about things, and when you live in regret, it will lead to fear. Number two, living in regret will often lead to fabrication. We begin to distort our perspective on things. Listen to verse 12 here. 
The children of Israel are crying out to Moses, and they say, Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? Now, nowhere prior to this do you hear them saying that. They're just recalling that, they're, that they've said that. They never really did say it. And then they make this statement. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Do you hear what they're saying? They are saying to Moses, we would have been better off staying in slavery, even though they had been in that for over 400 years. They're looking back now and saying, boy, life was better back then. Don't we have a way of looking at the past with a a distorted perspective? You know, uh, we'll forget how bad it was or rough it was. And here they are, they're viewing Egypt as a a pretty good place. Well, uh, let's go back to Exodus chapter 1 and just see how good uh, Egypt was. The Bible tells us in Exodus 1 and verse 11 that Pharaoh set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. The word afflict means to make their lives miserable. Pharaoh and the Egyptians made the lives of the Hebrews miserable. And the Bible says in verse 13, the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. That means no rest. I mean, it just from probably 20 hours out of the 24 in a day that was just work and work and work and just a little food and, and horrible living conditions. Verse 14, they made their lives bitter. Now, their lives weren't better in Egypt. They were bitter in Egypt. And yet when they look back in regret, they forget how terrible Egypt was. And they say, boy, it was so much better back then. Uh, We do that sometimes in our minds. We say, boy, it was so much better uh, back then. And sometimes people will even say that who have been saved. And they will get saved and they'll think life is always just going to be easy and go well. And then they hit some trouble and they say, boy, you know what? I never had trouble like this before I got saved. It was better back then than it is now. No, it wasn't. It was bitter back then. But the the uh, regret has caused you to have a distorted view of the past. And now you fabricate the past in your mind as if it was better when really it was bitter. And then it can lead to failure. And this is found in the New Testament. Jesus, uh, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, says this, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Much like in those days, you had an ox that would pull a, a plow, and the, the one that was there uh, driving the plow and the oxen had to look straight ahead, so the rows stayed straight. But if he turned his back, if he looked back behind him, the rows would get crooked, the, the rows wouldn't be fit. They weren't fit to plant seed in because they were just all crooked. And Jesus is, is uh, equating that to a believer who looks back rather than looks forward. When you live life, looking to the past, man, it will just cause you to, it's sort of like trying to drive your car staring at the rearview mirror. It's okay to look at the rearview mirror once in a while, but you don't want to stare at it because you can't keep going forward. And many people who are saved are actually unfit for service because they keep looking back. What the Lord wants each of us to do is to keep looking forward. Don't look back. Don't look back in regret and say, boy, if I if I could have done that or would have done that, the past is over. Give it over to God, confess it, and then just go forward. So sometimes we look back at the past. And then number two, sometimes we just need to stand still in the present. Now back to our text there in Exodus chapter 14. 
Here the people have complained, and the Bible tells us in verse 13, and Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still. There it is. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Sometimes we look back. Sometimes we need to stand still. Uh, Several years ago, um, I was out uh, doing some fishing with my brother-in-law, and um, there was a snake on the ground, and he didn't see it. And I said, hey, hold it. Don't take a step. Stand still. And he did. He got still, and and, uh, I showed him where the, the snake was at there, and he didn't step on it. Nothing happened. But if he hadn't stood still when he was told to... Uh, he could have stepped on that, maybe gotten bitten by the snake. So the point is this. Sometimes in life, we need to stand still. They tell me that that the toughest job for a lifeguard is to save somebody who won't be still. They're flailing and grabbing, and sometimes lifeguards have even been drowned by the person they were trying to save because they wouldn't get still. You see, sometimes in life, we need to stop trying to figure out our problems and how to solve them and what to do about it and stop trying to fight and just stand still and let God do the work. Many times we, we make the problem worse by trying to fight it and figure it out than just if we would stand still. Now, here, here are a couple of byproducts when we stand still. Number one, when we stand still and we're having problems and we're, 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 we're not trying to take it all on ourselves, it helps us to remember that we have a protector. There in verse 14, Moses says, the Lord shall fight for you. Boy, isn't that good to know that God is in your corner? He says, the Lord's going to fight for you. Quit trying to fight the problem yourself. Maybe it's a financial problem, a, a, a relationship issue. And boy, you're trying to figure it out and doing everything you can. Maybe you just need to get still and let the Lord fight it. You know, uh, David understood this principle as a young man. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, you have young David going to the battlefield to bring lunch to his brothers. And when he gets there, there's a big mouth giant named Goliath who's calling out the armies of Israel. And the soldiers are all scared. Nobody will go out and challenge him. And here comes this young teenager named David. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 45, then said David to the Philistine, to Goliath, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. David says, look, you've not just come after me. You've not just come after the uh, armies of Israel. You've defied God himself. And then he says, this day will the Lord deliver you into my hand. I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. I will give your carcass uh, of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. And here it is, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. You see, David wasn't saying, here's how strong and tough I am. Here's how great I am. I want you to know God's going to take care of this. God's going to step in here. This isn't my battle. This isn't the battle of the Israelites. This is the Lord's battle. Beloved, maybe there's something in your life right now that you're battling and you've taken it on as if it's your battle. Let me encourage you. Get still and say, Lord, you're my protector. God, I'm just turning this battle over to you. I can't fix it. 
it. I can't fight it anymore. God, you take over. Now, here's another benefit. Once we remember our protector, then we can remember our peace. Back to our text of Exodus 14, 14, the Lord shall fight for you. There's your protector. And the second part says, and you shall hold your peace. It's interesting how that for a Christian, when we quit trying to fight our own battles and figure things out and we just get still and we say, God, this belongs to you. You're going to have to solve it. I can't do it. There's a peace that comes over us. The Bible calls it the peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because we've had a shift in our mindset. When we try to do it, now catch this, if you get this principle, boy, it will, it will sure help when you go through life uh, struggles. And, and uh, maybe you're not in a struggle now, but just hang on. The, the year is, is young, all right? The troubles are coming. Here's the thing. When we turn that over to God, we no longer have to manage it. And because of that, our mind no longer is on the problem, but our mind is on the Lord. You see, when our mind is on the Lord and we say the battle is his, boy, that takes a load off of our shoulders. In fact, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Isaiah 26 and verse 3, and it says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. That means complete peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, not on the problem, but on God. Are you keeping your mind on the problem? Well, then you're probably living in fear and you're probably worried and you're stressed. But if you'll get your mind on God and you'll say, the battle is yours, God, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lose sleep over this anymore. I'm not going to put a pencil to paper and try to figure it all out. God, this is yours. There will be a peace that comes because you are showing God, I trust you. I trust you in this matter, and God, what I can't do, you can do. And then the Bible says you get that peace that passes all understanding, and that will keep your heart and mind on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, sometimes we look to the past, and sometimes we need to stand still in the present, and lastly, sometimes we just need to go forward into the future. Now back to Exodus 14, listen to verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore, or why, criest thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. Here's what God is saying. God is saying, Moses, it's time to stop crying. It's time to stop thinking about it. It's even time to stop praying. You know, sometimes you have to just stop praying, and it's time to move. God says, I I don't want to hear any more complaints. I don't want to hear any more crying, any more praying. It is time to go forward. How do we go forward? Well, we need to go forward in our walk. Now, God is getting ready to do a miracle here. But if the children of Israel don't follow and walk, God can do the work. But if we don't walk, nothing gets done. Listen to this. Verse 16. God says to Moses, lift up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. You see, there's the word go. God says, I'm going to take care of the water part. I will part the water, but you're going to have to go. And I behold, and I behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow after them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. 
and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. You see, while they walked across dry ground there in the Red Sea, there was a separation, and the people were able to cross. And the Bible says in verse 21, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided, and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground. You see, God said, I'll do this, but you go, and we find they obey because the Bible says they went. The Lord will do the work, but we need to do the walk. Are you walking with God? Are you just sitting around waiting on God to do something when God is saying, now I want you to quit standing still. I want you to walk. I want you to move. Is there a move you need to make in this new year? Maybe you've been thinking about teaching a class. Maybe you've been thinking about uh, giving more to God's work or whatever it is, and you've thought about it, and you've prayed about it, and another year's gone by, and you haven't done anything. Beloved, let me encourage you. Quit praying about it. Quit thinking about it, and go. Go forward. Step out. Begin walking. I'm going to teach that class. I'm going to I'm going to give more tithes and offerings to the Lord's work. I'm going to support more missionaries. I'm going to read more of my Bible, and, and I'm going to witness to that neighbor that I keep putting off, and I keep thinking about about it. I keep praying about it, but now it's time to start putting some walk to what I've been thinking and praying about. Go forward. We need to go forward in our walk, and then lastly, we should go forward in our worship. Well, they cross over, and uh, God takes care of everything, and it's celebration time. And The Bible says in Exodus 15 and verse 1, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Verse 11, who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people whom thou hast redeemed, thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. You hear the worship there? You see, worship is more than just clapping of the hands and getting emotionally charged and excited. It's about showing God that he is the one that got us through the situation. More than anything in this world, God takes pleasure in our worship and our thanking him. When we uh, sing, when we give, when we serve. We're never to do that to say, boy, look how good we are. Boy, didn't I do a good job singing that song or preaching that message or serving that person? Boy, aren't I wonderful? No, it's always saying, boy, isn't God good? And get, uh, it's directing all attention to him. It's never about us. I like how John said it. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. That's what it's all about. It's never about look at me and boy, I was smart enough to figure out that situation or I, I did this or did that. No, it's saying, God, if it weren't for you, I would never have made it. God, you supplied the need. God, you took care of that relationship. God, you took care of that situation. That's what worship is. Worship is about acknowledging God and what he has done for us. I'll finish with a little illustration. Back when I was in high school, my very first job was at J.C. Penney in the mall. And 
And when I worked at Penny's, one of the things that I worked in the men's department, we were responsible for dressing the mannequins. And you would put clothes on the mannequins, depending on what season that it was. But the clothing was never to make the mannequin look good. It was to make the clothes look good. A mannequin really is nothing more than a dummy. All right. Uh, the dummy just wore the clothes. So when people came in, I, I never heard a customer say, boy, that's a good looking dummy. That sure is a sharp looking dummy. No, the, the attention was not on the dummy. The attention was on the clothes. The, the dummy was to make the clothes look good, not for the clothes to make the dummy look good. Now, <laughs> that may be a crude illustration, but think of it like this. Tim Reynolds is a dummy for Jesus. All right. Anything that I do for God is not about making me look good. All right. It's just about making God look good. So when you see me, you just see a dummy. All right. I'm just a dummy. I'm just a mannequin. I'm just, I'm just to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. People shouldn't say, boy, look at how great Tim is. They should say, boy, look how good God is. Look at how gracious that God is. And, and uh, I think all of us, when we have that attitude, God likes that. God uses people who aren't in it to make themselves look good, but it's always those who point other people to Jesus. We are called to to be dummies for God. Listen, beloved, our response to life's challenges and life's problems should show people how good God is. We should make him look good. It's never about us. We're just called to be dummies drawing people to Jesus. All right. So let's, let's reflect him. Let's, let's not make ourselves look good. Let's make him look good as we go forward into this new year. I'm going to close out and uh, I plan to do this each week by uh, giving you a blessing. And I sure do appreciate you uh, tuning in and listening to the broadcast. And in the book of Numbers chapter six, you have what is called the priestly blessing. And uh, I want to read this to you. In fact, I'll probably put a message together uh, to break it down. But here's how the priestly blessing goes. And this is for you today who have listened and tuned in. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. I love that priestly blessing. And so we send you forth with that today. And let me remind you as well, if you uh, do not have a place to go to church, especially next Sunday, we would love to have you at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple in our 10 o'clock service on January the 21st, because we are honored to have evangelist Tim Lee with us. You'll sure appreciate Brother Tim's preaching. By the way, that is also Sanctity of Life Sunday. We will have something special for everyone in attendance. We believe the Bible teaches that life begins at conception. All life is precious to God. We're going to make an emphasis of that both at our church in Mount Vernon and at Waltonville Community Church. By the way, church there begins at 1115 every Sunday morning. We invite you there as well. But to come and be with us, see Brother Tim if you uh, are able to do that next Sunday on January the 21st, 10 o'clock at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I look forward to being with you again at our next appointed time. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you, is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.